also somebody that works well with others. And it seems like Rand Carthon is that perfect blend of a guy that is not a pushover, that is going to speak his mind and disagree. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Friday, January the 20th. I'm your host, Easton Priest, Director of Published Content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We are also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network, and I am joined as I'm dropping pens all over my desk by producer JT. JT, how are you? I'm good. Happy Friday. Excited. It's the end of the week, and more importantly, we are getting so close to what is going to be just an absolutely electric weekend of divisional round football, at I least sure in my opinion. So. I sure hope so. It's going to be an exciting weekend. I think historically speaking, this is anecdotal, but I always feel like divisional round of the playoffs is the best, the best weekend of football in, in terms of a mixture of quality versus quantity. You, you still have four games, so it's not like championship weekend where you've got two really big ones, but they are typically the best games of the year. So I hope that's the case. We're going to be talking about that and the Titans and all of the news this week as they hired their new GM. But first, the most important thing for us to get out of the way here at the top, JT, is a report on how our first soccer game went in our co-ed rec soccer league that we we said we were going to be playing in on Monday. Um, I am melancholy to report that we drew our first game, a 3-3 draw in our opener. We were up early, 2-0, got two goals Um pretty early in the first half and then defended that lead until things came crashing down and the opponent took a three, two lead thought we were going to take a loss after a promising start. And then we got the equalizer in what had to have been, I mean, this is a rec league people. There's not a big scoreboard for us to look at, but what had to have been what the probably the last eight minutes, last eight or yeah, seven or eight minutes is what I was going to say. So a draw that we'll take, you know, it's, it's nice to get a draw when you were losing, more frustrating to get a draw when you were winning. Um, but generally speaking, as um, blue-blooded Americans like JT and myself are, and uh, not losers, we we do prefer not to draw. I hate I hate ties in general. So a bummer, uh, but not the worst start in the world. How did you think our first week went, JT? I thought it went well. You know, it's taking that draw, especially with our our rec team who doesn't have the most soccer talent in the world. Not the, Maybe, what do you mean? There's like three people on the team that have ever played organized soccer. So. I was trying to be a little bit nice there in saying <laughs> that. However, taking a draw, I think, has to have everyone feeling at least in good spirits to say, hey, in our first game, we didn't get blown out eight nothing or something like that. It's so kind of what to, I was expecting, to be to, honest. To draw three three, I think we're gonna be in good hands as people start to understand how soccer works and also realize that they need to hit the gym so that they can uh be yeah, out there on the field up. um but i'm just gonna say i think if if our goalie doesn't win like goalie of the year of this rec league i, I don't oh, know what, i don't know what's going on already after after one game our goalie's fantastic shout out jenna who played in high school one of the only experienced soccer players on the team i will say never played organized soccer myself had four shots on goal and delivered what was probably a black eye to the opposing goalie with a fantastic strike. Um, but <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see how the season goes. We'll keep you updated, of course, because that's what you come here for. Rec League soccer updates and not NFL and Tennessee Titans updates. We will, however, transition now into the top of the show. We're talking about the Titans hiring their new GM this week. Ran Carthon, the Titans hired him 
rather abruptly on Tuesday afternoon. Personally, very, very pleased with the hire. First of all, I had been saying, you know, I, I, I'm not going to pretend to you, our, our precious listeners, that I know a ton about these candidates or that I didn't learn everything that I know about them from basic Google searches over the past week or so. But the one thing that I did know and the one thing that I did want was for the Titans to go with an outside voice, pick somebody that wasn't Monty Austin for it, that wasn't Ryan Cowden, that hadn't been from within the building, somebody that was new from outside the organization that could bring in fresh perspective, fresh ideas. And that is exactly what Rand Carthon is going to do. He fits the bill. I'm very, very pleased with the hire. you got to be pleased with where he's coming from out of San Francisco. He cut his teeth as an executive in the league under some really successful and sharp executives. Thomas Dimitrov, Les Snead, John Lynch, among some other names you would recognize. He spent 15 years in scouting from 2008 to 2011. He was the pro scout with the Falcons in 2012 through 2016. He spent five years as the director of pro personnel with the Rams. And then in 2017, he came on board with the 49ers as their director of pro personnel and did that all the way up until he was hired earlier this week as the new general manager of the Tennessee Titans. In his time with the Rams, you might recognize that time frame as being the time that famous Titans former head coach, Jeff Fisher, was the head coach of the then St. Louis Rams, became the Los Angeles Rams. Fisher spent a pretty significant amount of time working closely with Rand Carthon, and he was on local radio station 1025 The Game this week talking about his experience working with Carthon and what his thoughts on the hire were. And this is what he had to say, courtesy of Nick Kaiser, executive producer at 1025 The Game. Let me just say this. Let me go on the record, okay? I won a few games here, and I, I, I don't know what that is, but they, they say I'm the, was the, I'm the winningest coach in franchise history. That, that uh, record is going to fall with this relationship between the two of them. Mm. That's how strongly I feel about about Mike, the organization where it's headed, and this hire. Clearly, Titans fans agree uh, that that hopefully that record does fall, and this is a successful partnership between Mike Vrabel and Rand Carthon and Amy Adams Strunk. It's uh, it, it speaks highly to the hire if if Jeff Fisher, who you know love him or hate him, he's spent a long, long, long time working with a ton of different people in the league. If he's speaking so highly on Rand Carthon, clearly he's a guy that. He has some faith in uh, Carthon was a former player. He was a Colts running back back in the day. His father also played in the league. I think won a couple of rings himself. And I, generally speaking, I love the idea that Amy Adams strunk. And I'm sure this factored in at least some to her decision, pairing a former player GM with a former player head coach, Mike Vrabel and Rand Carthon should be able to, uh, you know, see things in a similar light from a, I think a similar perspective as former players, both in their roles and as a, a new partnership, I like the idea of having those two head up the organization, head up the personnel. Carthon spent his playing days in the AFC South, so his new division is familiar to him. And this video is from September 18th, 2005. I believe it was our friend of the show, Sam Phelan, who brought this up on Twitter, dug up this old tape from the archives, but from September of 2005, here is Rand Carthon's first NFL touchdown on a handoff from Peyton Manning playing the Jaguars. Back to the RCA Dome. 
Jacksonville leading it three to nothing. Looks like John Henderson is okay. They move the ball back a yard. Third down goal at the six for the Colts. Carthon remains in the backfield for Edger and James. 17th play of the drive that started at the Indy 12. Carthon straight ahead. Touchdown. Right here, JT, is the perfect opportunity for me to do a mid-rant sell of the show, just in case people didn't know. If you're listening to this via podcast, I'm sure that video of Carthon scoring a touchdown was really fun to listen to. I promise it looks even better, and you can watch it as well as the rest of the show on YouTube. If you are new around here, then you must not know. This is a YouTube show. It's a video show now, uh, as well as a podcast. So go over to Broadway Sports Media on YouTube subscribe to the channel you'll get all of these hot read podcast episodes in their video form with all of our great visuals and pretty faces and all of the the fun things that we have that supplement the show from a viewing perspective just give it a, give it a try subscribe over there and we appreciate you viewing through uh youtube as well as listening on your podcast platform of choice now carthens hiring was met with praise from a number of people including trey lance on instagram and george kittle on twitter both of whom were expressing just how much they liked Rand, and, and they both, you know, experienced uh, a, an extended period of time with him in San Francisco. His former boss, GM of the 49ers, John Lynch, had this to say about the hiring. He said, quote, the first part of any relationship is there is a mutual respect, and I know they'll have that. I cannot say enough good things about Rand. A couple of things about Rand, just while we're on the fun facts side of things here from Albert Breer on Twitter. These three things, actually four things he had to point out about the Titans' new GM, Rand Carthen. He grew up in Parcells football family, uh, and which is something that Mike Vrabel, you know, coming from the Patriots under Bill Belichick, is adjacent to, right? He also prioritizes toughness in his players, which is something that aligns very well with the Titans' identity. So that won't change a whole lot, you would imagine. And he's a guy that's going to challenge Mike Vrabel, just like Mike Vrabel does with others. And I think that that had to have been one of the things that went into the decision to make this hire. Amy Adams Strunk wanted somebody that wasn't just going to roll over and allow Mike Vrabel to become the God King of the Tennessee Titans, but also somebody that works well with others. And it seems like Rand Carthon is that perfect blend of a guy that is not a pushover, that is going to speak his mind and disagree, even with folks like Mike and Amy. But he's also, and this has been the, the, theme of all of the discussion you've heard surrounding Carthon in this hire he's the ultimate collaborator everybody that knows him or has worked with him has something to say about his ability to form relationships and work adjacently or in collaboration with others which is a key and something that it seems like post John Robinson's firing is something that maybe he wasn't the greatest at based on certain reports that we've heard so that seems like one of those things that may have been high on you know, Amy Adams Strunk and the Titans ownership groups list of things they were looking for in a new GM. And Carthon seems to fit that bill very well. One last thing from Breer on Carthon is that he cut his teeth as a personnel guy in Atlanta under Thomas Dimitrov, like we mentioned, but he used under Dimitrov personnel language, scouting language that comes from the Patriots, which is something that John Robinson did as well. And Mike Vrabel is also familiar with. So that scouting transition should be really seamless, which is great because at this point in the, the cycle, all of the 
employed scouts by the Titans that used to work under John Robinson are now going to work under Rand Carthon until the draft season is over. And usually that's when the new scouting um, evaluations and, and re-upping people's contracts or firing folks, bringing in new folks when all of that goes down. So that should, should work well for the Titans to transition in this time frame ahead of the draft, allowing that scouting team to work well with Rand Carthon and, and they'll be able to speak the same language out of the gate in San Francisco. Carthon primarily handled free agent acquisitions and the lower rounds of the draft. So a, a list of players that uh, I forget who brought this up on Twitter. So I apologize that I can't give you credit, but this is a list of players that somebody assembled. These are all guys that Carthon in his time from 2017 to 2022 in San Francisco helped the Niners acquire in the later rounds of the draft day three picks, George Kittle, Richie James, Dre Greenlaw, Jawan Jennings, Talanoa Hufanga, Elijah Mitchell, and Brock Purdy, to name a few. So, you know, a pretty fantastic sample size of guys there that were not just great picks, but great value picks, great diamond in the rough picks in the later rounds and in those day three uh, situations. Now, what does this hiring tell us already? Because I'm not going to sit here and pretend to you that, you know, we can really psychoanalyze the hiring to a degree that is going to allow us to know just what the Titans draft strategy is going to be, just what the Titans free agent acquisition strategy is going to be, just how this is going to change things for the Titans. We don't know that. We're going to learn quite a bit when Ran has his introductory press conference. Uh, if you're listening to this on Friday, then today um, he's going to be speaking at noon. So if he's not done that yet, make sure to mark your calendars. And if it's already past noon, go back and I'm sure on the Titans Twitter or YouTube, you'll be able to find that press conference. He's going to speak to the media then excited to get to speak with him. We'll learn a lot more then, but now on Thursday evening, when we're recording this, I can tell you this much about Carthon and what I think it's going to mean for the Tennessee Titans. First of all, he spent years in San Francisco building what is really the ideal version of the Titans roster. And it's a fantastic model for the Titans to adopt if, if that's the direction that they see they are going to be heading. And that seems to be the direction that they're going to be heading. I think that this sets in stone the idea that while the Titans are going to change quite a bit over the, the coming weeks and months throughout this offseason, and we talked quite a bit about that in the last episode, their general offensive philosophy as an outside zone West Coast offense team isn't really going to change. If Rand Carthon's background and Mike Vrabel's background has any indication there. I will say that in San Francisco, Carthon was a big part of acquiring players that did things that the Titans historically have loved, but also didn't have the downside that a lot of the Titans players of the past had. For example, they've done a good job in San Francisco of late drafting players, receivers, and tight ends who can block really well. And we know Titans love to have blocking receivers. It's their favorite thing in the world, blocking receivers. They'll take a whole dozen, please and thank you. They also in San Francisco have done a good job of finding guys who can block and catch the ball, which is something that Titans players haven't been the greatest at. They haven't had a ton of fantastic receivers come through, except for AJ Brown, who they shipped right out of town. So that's something that is a positive, and you would hope the, you know, the the Titans fealty towards we've got to get guys who can block, even though they're wide receivers can be meshed a little bit with the philosophy coming from Ian Carthon in the San Francisco 
uh, personnel department of, hey, let's get guys that are, you know, just all around great players that can do it all. That's something that the Titans need quite badly if they're going to make this transition into a new, maybe more modern, maybe more versatile offense like we expect them to try to do in the next year or two. They also valued run after catch guys and guys that were difficult to tackle, two things that the Titans have really, really loved. And, and you've seen that in them drafting guys like Chica Conquo and Traylon Burks and A.J. Brown. But they they don't, again, pick guys that that do those things to a fault. There's 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 this common theme in looking at what Rand did in San Francisco versus what the Titans have historically done in that Rand is probably going to offer up a a healthy balance when it comes to valuing these things the titans as a team that loves to build around being an off the bus team a big bad bully team bigger faster more physical than you like Vrabel said in his end of season press conference that's going to be enabled i think by the the personnel inclinations of a guy like Rand carthon i also and this is kind of my last point on what i think Rand carthon's hiring can tell us about the titans now I think that this hiring makes Tannehill returning for at least one more season next year a near lock in my mind. Now, I've talked about this at length in the past couple of episodes, but what is Ryan Tannehill? He is durable Jimmy G, essentially. I mean, that's he's probably durable, slightly better Jimmy G, but that's that's a, a pretty fair comp, I think, that anybody would agree. And that's what Carthon has been building with and around for years now in San Francisco. He not only has had to do that, he's done it successfully. He's done it and put together teams that worked really, really well and made deep playoff runs with a limited quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo. So that's not going to be a culture shock for him. It's not going to be something that he's unused to in terms of a team building point of view. The last thing here is that the Titans, this is just a little note that I added, but it's true. And I'm sure by the time you hear this, you may already have a hiring or two, you know, by next week, I think that we'll definitely get some, some hiring news, but the Titans have to hop on their coaching search now, and they need to probably do it quickly. They've got quite a few roles to fill their offensive line coach, their secondary coach, their offensive coordinator. They need to do this um, as soon as they can so that you've got guys in place that can help inform the personnel staff and the front office staff and Rand Carthon himself as he's going to things like the senior bowl, which is later on. I think it's the beginning of February, actually uh, late January, early February. And you got the combine later on in the process, but he's got to be able to go to these things and, you know, do visits at schools and, and go see pro days and all of these in-person evaluations with, you know, in mind what exactly this team is looking for. And the coaches at different positions are going to inform that decision. And especially the offensive coordinator and the offensive line coach are absolutely going to be informing those decisions. So that's, that's it on Ren Carthon. We'll have a lot more to talk about again. I'm sure after his introductory press conference on Monday, until then we'll move on here. And I've got what I, you know, a couple of shows in a row now I've had, I've had a, a take of the day, JT, and I've been brainstorming. I actually haven't brought this up with JT yet. So we this is we're workshopping it. And I would love if anybody wants to subscribe and then leave a rating and a review and, and review this term that I'm that I'm gonna workshop here. I'd appreciate your feedback on this. I'm, I'm gonna call it the hot read, which seems kind of obvious, right? But what, what is the hot read? If you ever wondered the hot read podcast, what is it, right? Well, if you know anything about football and, and schematics and and uh, X's and O's, then you know a hot read is just the dump off for the quarterback. It's the 
It's the in the flat, you know, wide receiver. It's the running back dump off uh, when when the pocket's collapsing. It's when in doubt, that's where you're going first, right? That or that's 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 if we're needing to get the ball out quick, that's where we're going. That's that's a hot read, and it's double entendre, folks. We put some thought into this name when we renamed the show back almost a year ago. It is the hot read podcast in the sense that we like to dive into X's and O's. And when I was partnered with James Foster, when we named the show, it was great because he's the X's and O's guy. You guys know that. And then it's also a, a, a take on, you know, hot takes. That's that's what I do. I'm in the, I'm a narrative guy. I'm into the narrative narratives of sports. And I enjoy, uh, you know, I enjoy a good hot take or two now and then. So that's what we, that's what we're doing here. And so, you know, the hot read. It can be the my my one big thing. If you've ever listened to Scott Van Pelt, you know he has one big thing. I'm trying to think of what can I call my one big thing. Well, the hot read felt obvious. Let me know, JT. Is that work? Do we think that works? I mean, I think it works. You think it works? It's it's, it's acceptable to you. Not too not too cheesy. Not too cringy. No, I think I, I think it's uh, a little bit on the nose, but I mean, it works. It, it is definitely on the nose, but maybe you know we'll we'll keep brainstorming. But for now, it's the hot read. So here's the hot read for today. And if you follow me on Twitter, you know this because I, I talked about it earlier this week on my Twitter feed. But I'm regularly harping on the show and in my written work and on Twitter everywhere. I'm harping on the ridiculousness of absolutes in NFL and really just sports in general discourse when it comes to who can and who can't win a Super Bowl. Now, anybody who says that you can't win a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill, which there have been many many of those people uh more more people that say you can't than that say you can that's for sure anybody that says that to your face and then in the same breath says that the 49ers this season with Brock Purdy right now in the postseason are real contenders is a fool they're a fool if they think those two things simultaneously because they're not logically coherent people and I know for a fact there are a lot of these people out there but San Francisco is the perfect example for me to use in continuing this point that I've been pressing for a long time now. If Tannehill replaced Brock Purdy on this Niners roster right now, they would be, I think, the unmitigated NFC favorites, and they may even have decent odds against whoever comes out of the AFC. Like, that would be a fantastic team. The point that I continue to beat into people's skulls, but I, I believe it wholeheartedly, and I think that we've jumped the shark with quarterback discourse in the NFL, you do not have to have an elite quarterback to win a Super Bowl. Now, does having an elite quarterback make things easier? Or more importantly, does having a non-elite quarterback make things more difficult? Of course. Of course it does. Of course it does. But does it make it impossible? No, it definitely doesn't. Don't fall for that nonsense, man. Winning a ring with a limited quarterback is, is more unlikely than if you are a team with one of those top five guys, right? That's for sure. But... 40% of the quarterbacks who were in the Super Bowl in the last 10 games, 40% of them were one of these guys. Joe Flacco, Colin Kaepernick, Nick Foles, Matt Stafford, Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton. So just good or just great quarterbacks, many, many times it's a it's a good quarterback who's just on a heater, which happens. You know, everybody sometimes you're feeling yourself. Sometimes you have a three or four game run where things are just working, things are clicking for you. These good and great quarterbacks, they get to the big dance more often than I think people give them credit for, more often than we seemingly think that they do. 
And so this is my point in, in, in this postseason as we watch the 49ers with Brock Purdy tear it up and continue to succeed, you know, not really despite Purdy, but with Purdy. He's definitely the trailer. He ain't a tractor here, folks. He is not pulling this Niners team through the postseason. Not at all. And if you think that, you're being fooled by Kyle Shanahan's wizardry and or you just don't know ball. I'm sorry. I hate to report this to you, but if, if you think Brock Purdy is a stud, you, you don't know ball and you're not watching. They're still winning with him. And that's my point here is that you can win with non-elite quarterbacks. It just is more difficult than if you have a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen. All right, that's it for my rants today. That's it for the hot read. And with that, we are getting into our last two segments of the show. I, I'm just not realizing, JT, off the top, I forgot to mention, we usually are doing James Foster Friday on Fridays, and we were doing that today. And uh, just to let you behind the curtain here, JT and I are sitting here on uh, one hour and 47 minutes of this recording because we had James Foster on first out of the gate, and we were going through his mock draft 1.0, and, and it ended up taking an hour to record. So we decided... <laughs> We're going to make that a full episode on its own at some point next week. Don't know when, probably either Monday or Wednesday. So keep an eye out for that uh, kind of irregular show than you may be used to if you follow this show regularly. But it's fantastic, and we decided it was enough great content that we were going to make it its own thing. So postponing the James Foster Friday segment today until later, which we already have recorded, and he'll be on again next week. So you'll probably get a double dip of James Foster, but we'll see. We've got two segments left. We've got Titans news, and then we've got the best bet gauntlet. So maybe a slightly shorter show today than usual, but it's at the expense of having an extra show next week. So get over it. Don't cry. I don't want to hear it. We'll get into Titans news here in just a moment. I have to remind the folks, JT, at home, that if they are not a Broadway insider, they need to go and do that. If you become one, you can listen to the recording of these shows live when we have guests on like James Foster or some other special guests that I'm actively working on getting for later on down the draft draft uh calendar road here i've got some big time draft analyst names some national guys that you recognize lined up to come on the show as they did last year and that kind of thing is going to be recorded live and if you're an insider you're going to be able to get the show live and interact with these guys that you may have no ability to interact with outside of a, a prayer uh, response on twitter so it's a it's a special privilege that insiders are going to get being able to get this show live whenever it's recorded and inter interact in the chat and become a part of the show. You can't do that unless you go to broadwaysportsmedia.com. Go under the more tab on the homepage to the insider tab. Become one today for just 99 cents when you use code insider. Do that and you'll get th this content along with a ton of other great stuff that you can find over on the website. All right, JT, enough of my rambling. Let's get into the Titans news. Going to start the news today with something other than personnel Titans news. Let's talk about the Titans heading across the pond next year. It was announced uh, yesterday on Thursday that the Titans will be playing a game next year in the Tottenham Hotspurs Stadium, which will count towards one of their home games, but they will get to play over in the UK. Easton, who would you like to see the Titans play overseas? Somebody not important. So I'd like for them to ship one of the NFC opponents over there. First of all, it is a home game that counts against one of the Titans home games. But fans shouldn't really be all that upset because with 17 game schedule this year, uh, this upcoming year in 2023, odd years means the AFC teams get an additional home game. So the Titans had nine. They're now going to have eight home games in Nissan Stadium and one home game 
in London, which I'm already planning on uh, going to. Hopefully it's not. The one thing they can't do, JT, please don't make this game like around Thanksgiving or around Christmas and make it impossible for folks to go over there and see it. I would love for this to be a, a nice like week five, early October, late September game. That would be ideal. But Titans fans, season ticket holders, you're getting your full eight games at home. The ninth will be played in London. And I hope, JT, that it's against one of their opponents that doesn't matter. I don't think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think the NFL has ever shipped over a division game because it's unfair to the home team. Correct? I'd have they to look, but I, I I don't think so. That, makes, that, that wouldn't make really any sense. Wouldn't make sense. And I, I can't think of it, an instance of it happening. So I don't think that's going to happen. That eliminates three of the Titans home opponents right there. I also think it's relatively unlikely that they send over the Chargers with the Titans because the Titans' only other time playing in London a couple of years ago was against the Chargers in a thrilling game when the Titans lost on a two-point conversion at the end of the game, going for broke and trying to go home with a win. That brings it down to just, uh, well, that's that takes four off the list, so there's five remaining. Three of those teams are NFC teams, and I'd prefer for it to be, I think Titans fans should prefer for it to be one of those NFC teams. Um, it doesn't matter nearly as much as an AFC game, and it also uh, will be, you know, the kind of game that it should be will be fun, and Titans fans would love to see at home, but no one's really going to, you know, no one's going to cry themselves to sleep over these teams getting sent over there, and those teams are the Falcons, the Seahawks, and the Panthers. If it's any of those games, which I think is probably more likely than not, I think Titans fans can be happy with that, uh, unless the Panthers, you know, have a, a stud rookie quarterback or... I don't know. The Falcons turn into the fighting Desmond Ritters. Like, I don't I don't know a situation in which it becomes a super enticing game. They may be good games, but in terms of the star power, the, you know, the number of fans that would it would draw to the Nashville area and into Nissan Stadium. Those would be the games that would be best suited to get shipped over there. If I had to pick just one ship the ship, the Panthers game over there. I don't, I don't need to see that. They, if they made if they made uh, Bengals Titans over there, would that be the most high stakes UK game there's ever been? By a country mile, yes. They'd never do it, but if they do, first of all, Titans fans should be royally pissed if they do that because that's, I mean, that is a monster game that that will draw. We've seen in recent years will draw a fantastic crowd at Nissan Stadium, and is uh, you know not a rivalry game, but definitely would be a revenge game for Titans fans. To send that to London would be just disrespectful. So don't even speak that into existence. But but if they do, it will make for the the greatest uh, on location episode of the Hot Read podcast. JT and I would probably be in London for that, to be honest with you. Back to the Titans. It's been pretty quiet on the staffing front besides uh, the GM hire, but the team did request to interview Broncos offensive coordinator Justin Alton for an offensive staff position. Alton called plays for the Broncos in the last two games after uh, firing Hackett and was also previously Green Bay's tight end coach as well as an offensive assistant with the Falcons offensive line. So it could be interesting to see what position they really interview him for, whether it be something as just an offensive assistant or maybe an offensive line coach. We'll just have to see. Right. So in the reporting, like you're alluding to, they didn't specify that he was being interviewed for the offensive coordinator position. So it could be that they were wanting to, and again, they only have requested. They've not interviewed him yet, just to be clear. Um, it's not clear whether they want to interview him for that OC role or whether or not, I think another role that would make sense that they're trying to fill that he could be a candidate for is that offensive line coach position. Um, either way, you know, he did make the most of his two games coaching and calling plays 
without Nathaniel Hackett in Denver at the end of the year. And, and he, he made that, that team that was unwatchable all year long, pretty exciting there at the end. So um, I, I think it makes sense for him to, to get an interview. And I'll be curious to hear if there's reporting on what exactly he's interviewing for, if and when that happens later on down the road. Other than that, not much else to report besides Charles London, who was reported previously to be a interview candidate for the offensive coordinator spot. Right. He will actually be calling plays in the upcoming Senior Bowl for Team America. So that'll be interesting to see him get get a little bit of work, whether it be uh, on that field or an NFL field, maybe adds a little bit to the interview process. Yeah, absolutely. It's a super cool program that the the Senior Bowl has where I forget that I think it's called the Next Up program or something along those lines, but it allows um, not not small, smaller is the wrong word, but um, coaches of, you know, lower station in the NFL guys like um, Charles London, who is a position coach to come in and be the head coach of these young guys at the what is essentially the college pro bowl. If you don't know what the senior bowl is. And it allows these guys to get exposure with all the NFL teams and scouts and executives and coaches that are down there alongside them watching all these guys play. So I think London getting that opportunity is super cool. I said the other day on the show that I was kind of meh on him as a potential offensive coordinator. But it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what his exposure is down there and what kind of impact he has on that game. And that's going to do it for our news segment today. All right, that's it for news. So we will jump over James Foster Friday. Again, you'll get that in a full standalone episode at some point next week. We'll go straight to the best bet gauntlet playoff pick six, and we'll jump right into it here, JT. We've got a week two edition of this version of the best bet gauntlet, our playoff pick six. Of course, we did this in the regular season, and I'll just preface it by saying betting the playoffs on paper is not a very good idea. It becomes much more difficult. Um, you see a lot of pros will not really let me put it this way. You don't make your money betting in the playoffs, but it certainly is fun and we're going to keep doing it. So the competition is over and uh, we encourage you to continue betting with us, even though last week was so hard to bet. We still went three and three, um, which again, the tie of our the tied score of our soccer game, the tied score of our record in betting. We had a very meh weekend, but we didn't have a losing weekend, which is the key here. We ended up missing out on two of our three spreads, Tampa and Buffalo. Tough, 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 tough. Not even close. Those ones were dead in the water very early on. Brady, under 42 and a half pass attempts, also dead. He threw the ball like 170 times because the Buccaneers were getting murdered out of the gate. We did hit, though, on Baltimore plus nine and a half, our favorite pick of the week, and that one felt like it was a lock. I, I wasn't sweating that one the whole game, JT, and that one was a pretty easy pick there. Mixon under 85 rushing and receiving yards. That one was scary because on the first drive, the Bengals gave him the ball. I don't know, 13 or 14 times. And he had, I think like, he had, I think he had 21 yards through like the first drive. First and we were, drive. we were, yeah, we, we like, were shaking. This is going to be dead there. by halftime. And then he just disappeared. He just took the rest of the game off. And so we hit on that one. And then Herbert over 37 and a half pass attempts. Thank you to the Jaguars for coming back and making him throw the ball. Um, although I guess maybe Joe Lombardi would have thrown the ball anyways, because they were up and they, never mind. Uh, he's fine. <laughs> I, won't, I, won't, I won't dance on a man's grave. We have six new picks for this divisional round. And as we have less and less games to pick, JT, our pool of options is diminished greatly. Uh, it's half every time, actually. That's the math on it. I went and I checked. And uh, we, we, we have six picks here. It's getting harder and harder for us to agree on sides. 
um, just because you know we've got we've got the Bengals still in the playoffs for JT. Um, we've got some personal hatred here and there, maybe of the Cowboys. But we did find six picks that we like. I don't are any of these sides. I think these are all totals and props. Am I right? Yeah. We we so for clarity, I I. When I was going to prep for this, I to came to Easton here to. with uh, the Cowboys plus four and the Bengals plus five and a half. And uh, for one way or another, we we agreed to disagree Can't on do those. It, man. Can't do and it. And we moved away from the sides because this week is just it. with the numbers, it's very tough. It is tough, but we found some totals that we like, and we found some props that we like a lot. So I'll give our first one here again. This is our playoff pick six divisional round edition. Our first pick. I'm going to go with the Giants and Eagles over 48. Now, conventional wisdom tells us that in division games like this, the under is more profitable than the over. Typically, these games are grosser, they're grittier, they come down to the wire, and there's not a whole lot of points scored because defenses know how to maximize their efforts against these offenses they see on a regular basis. I think in this playoffs, if the wildcard weekend was any indication, Offense is the only thing that showed up. I don't think any defense actually came to play in the postseason outside of maybe the Bengals and the the AFC North. They showed up for some defense. Everybody else did not. And we saw, I think, I think five of the six games in the wildcard weekend hit the over very comfortably. And the only one that didn't was that Bengals Ravens game. Except maybe it did. Maybe they went six and oh, I don't know. It was, it was all overs all day. I think that this is going to be another one of those. If Daniel Dimes is playing anything like he did against the Vikings, feeling himself, running all over the yard, throwing it all over the yard to a bunch of no names, it doesn't matter because Danny got, Danny Dimes is arrived. It's no more Mr. Nice Guy. Uh, I think I think this game could be kind of a score fest. The Eagles are going to be rested. Jalen Hurts is back. Those weapons on the outside and AJ Brown and, and you know I you, I almost forgot the giant killer himself, Boston Scott. You know he's going to be running all over him. You just know he is. Maybe three touchdowns on the day. I love the over in this game. Now that you say that, maybe we should have made one of our picks, Boston Scott, anytime touchdown. I'll, but, you uh, say your next pick. I'll go and look. We might have a bonus seventh pick. I'm going to see what yeah. we're All right. With our second pick here, I'm going to take one in the first game of the weekend, which is between Jacksonville and KC. And I'm going to take the under, which is, as Easton just said, the over's been hitting like crazy. However, the under right now, uh, uh, the total on this game right now is 53, which I just think is a crazy number considering these two teams. But let's look at some of the stats and let's dive a little bit deeper into this one. The unders in home games with Reed and Mahomes are actually really, really good. The sample size is not what you really want. It's only about 24, 25 games here. But the under is 16, 8, and 1 since 2018 when Kansas City is favored by at least 7 or more. In this game right now, I believe Jacksonville is plus 8.5. And I think this game is going to be a lot closer than people think. And I don't think it's going to be a scoring fest like the Jacksonville Chargers game was. So I'm going to take the under and what I think is my favorite bet of the week. All right. With our second bet, I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts under 51 and a half rushing yards. I'm going back to the well on the Giants and the Eagles game. The rationale here is pretty simple. 51 and a half rushing yards is quite a bit for any quarterback. Now we saw Jalen Hurts earlier in the season. If you look at his rushing totals, he had quite a few games well over this mark in the triple digits. In his last three games before getting hurt in the regular season, however, he was not running the ball a ton. 
and uh, it was kind of inconsistent. Now, in this game, if the Eagles end up murdering the Giants like people kind of expect they might, he's definitely not going to be running all over the yard and risking injury. I also think coming off of the injury, because reminder, this is his first game back in two or three games now. He's not going to, I think, again, this is, we're doing a little bit of guesstimation here, making some assumptions, but if he's not 100%, which I'd imagine he's not, He's probably not going to be looking to run nearly as much as he might otherwise do just because he's trying to stay healthy and, and, you know, make a run to the Super Bowl. So those two things give me enough confidence to say that I think that the Jalen Hurts rushing attack, again, they've got Boston Scott handling that, the giant killer. He's going to be able to run for as many yards as they need. I think Jalen Hurts goes well under the 51 and a half rushing yards mark. With our fourth pick here in the divisional round pick six, we're going to stay here with that Jacksonville and Kansas City game. And what is maybe one of the most popular prop bets of the week? ETN over 17 and a half reception yards here. And it's pretty easy to see why they have been feeding ETN both on the ground and through the air. He has been on 85% of the pass snaps last week. And a couple weeks before that, and Kansas City is 28th in DVOA on passes to running backs. I expect them to keep feeding ETN as he's become a pivotal part of this offense, and I'm expecting him to go over that measly 17 and a half reception yards. All right, with my third pick, and actually my third and fourth, because JT, we do in fact have a bonus pick. We are gonna roll with the Boston Scott over because Love guys, it. I don't I don't know where it's available. Uh, I'm looking here on the Action Network, which we use regularly, and it's apparently available at, at some books, um, but not at DraftKings. You can get Boston Scott over 14 and a half rushing yards. That I mean, if that is not a lock, I don't know what it is. He's literally named the giant killer. Give me Boston Scott over 14 and a half. No further explanation needed. And then our other regularly scheduled pick, going over to the Bills versus the Bengals game. I love Devin Singletary under 43 and a half rushing yards. And this is really just a matter of him getting out snapped more and more each week by James Cook, the the young runner that the Bills have and has has been playing pretty well. He was out carried 9 to 7 and 12 to 10 by Cook in the last two weeks. And Cincinnati looks like they're going to have DJ Reader back in the game. They were allowing 3.7 yards per carry with Reader and then 4.2 without. So I think in general, Buffalo's rushing attack is going to be diminished because the Cincinnati off or defense rather has some reinforcements. But I also think that even if Buffalo runs all over them, it might be a lot more James Cook and a lot less Devin Singletary. Give me Devin Singletary under 43 and a half rush yards. With the, I guess now seventh and final pick of the best bet on the pick six, because we had a little bit of a Jimmy Neutron brain blast moment there in the middle of the We did brain blast. I love that right right there. Um, We're going to take the under as well on this Cincinnati Buffalo game, which is currently at 48 and a half. Listen, we've been talking about how the overs have been hitting like crazy, but in the case of the Giants-Philadelphia game, it's a matter of high-scoring offenses with defenses that have their fair share of holes. In this game, you have two of maybe the top two high-scoring offenses in the league here, but both defenses really don't have a lot of holes. Both pass defenses are top nine in coverage per uh, PFF, and they are ninth and 12th defensive pass DBOA. 
the Cincinnati offensive line is dealing with a Bills front that is sixth highest in pressures. By the way, they're going to most likely be without Jonah Wilson, uh, Jonah Williamson, uh, Alex Kappa, and LC, of course. They are sixth highest in pressures. They're going to be getting after Joe Burrow, and Buffalo is just allowing 1.4 red zone attempts per game. I think the Cincinnati defense is also, like you said, getting DJ Reader back. They won't have a Wouzier, but Eli Apple is going to be back at full strength. I think they're going to keep with a lot of the same game plan that they came out with against the Bills in the Week 17 game, and I think it's going to be a lower scoring affair. So I'm we are going to take the under. All right. So in review for our divisional round best bet gauntlet pick six. We have three totals. We like the Giants and the Eagles to go over 48, the Jaguars and the Chiefs to go under 53, and then the Bengals and the Bills to go under 48 and a half. Three props for you. Jalen Hurts under 51 and a half rushing yards. Devin Singletary under 43 and a half rushing yards. And Travis Etienne over 17 and a half receiving yards. And then our bonus brain blast pick that we made in the middle of this segment. We're going with Boston Scott. If you can find him out there at your sports book of choice. Over 14 and a half. The Giant Killers getting those 15 yards rushing. It's a lock, easy, free money, dare I say. So that's going to be our show for today. Hope everybody had a great Friday. We'll be back on Monday and then probably again Wednesday with that James Foster Friday standalone episode. If you're not subscribed already to the show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a rating and a review. Leave a five-star review and then leave your rating, uh, five-star rating and then a review. You can write whatever you want. We'll read you out on the show. We appreciate that. Please, I know every show you've ever listened to asks you to do this. It's very easy. Go like you're going to pick an episode in the app. Scroll to the bottom. There's a little box with five stars. Very easy to fill out. Takes 10 seconds. The same amount of time it takes you to pick a show. You can do this. And it means a ton to us to be able to sell the show. It means a lot for the algorithms and all of that nonsense that no one really understands. But we do have a new five-star review that we appreciate very much. And we're going to read out to you from Dusty Bennett. Five stars. He's titled it Top Titans Podcast. Too kind. Too kind, Dusty. He said in his review, likable hosts. Can't agree more. Quality content, of course. With reasoned and well-thought-out takes. And believe it or not, there aren't ad breaks every five minutes like the trash competition. <laughs> I really look forward to these shows. Thank you, Dusty, for your five-star review. Thank you for listening to the show. We uh, we really appreciate it. We, we don't do it for our health. If no one listened, we wouldn't do the show. So we really appreciate you guys listening. And it means a ton to us that you enjoy our product. Again, if there's anything that you love or that you hate about the show, please let us know in reviews. We, we would love to make this show better for you, the listener, but we can't read your mind. So if you have an idea, please hit us up. Until next time, we'll talk to you on Monday. For Producer JT, I'm your host, Easton Freeze. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. Have a great weekend.